0: If you enjoy the following podcast, please consider supporting the Stream Grace Network. Just visit
1: streamgrace.com/support. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my corner of the digital world. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go.
0: You're listening to the Stream Grace Network.
1: All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by Climate Control Systems. That's it. I love air conditioning. That's all there is to it. Climate control. My guest today is Johnny Yule, pastor of a beautifully awesome church work in Moore, Oklahoma. Hey, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. So, Johnny, you and I have been, uh, we've been what I would call an immersive relationship <laughs> for the last few weeks.
0: <laughs> oh, immersive. How immersive are we talking there? Are we talking... <laughs>
1: not that immersive we have been spending a reasonably large amount of time by most people's standards getting to know each other yeah and uh it's been very enjoyable for me same here man so very very much so good um i asked kathy yeager this question and normally i don't like to ask back-to-back questions especially this kind of question but i really liked how it was phrased so here we go how are your seats for the end of the world? My seats for the end of the world are comfortable. Are they good? <laughs> yes,
0: I've got me a recliner with the power lift seats. You know, and I'm just going to watch the whole thing go down and and be glad that I've got a cup of i ice, of iced tea. And I'm just going to watch people freak out. I guess.
1: It's the way to do it. <laughs> you know, somebody asked me the other day. I don't remember how the context came up, but. I said, this is like we're careening in a convertible Cadillac down a hill in Southern California, and it's on fire. And our choice is to stay in the car all the way to the bottom or jump out. Both are crappy options.
0: Both are bad options. But um, I like
1: your plan, because you, you're you just watching. It. I'm just
0: going to watch everybody else go down the hill and watch <laughs> them make those decisions. That's the way to do it. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. This place, this, this is crazy. I, I don't know in any my entire life that I've ever watched in shock as my country and culture just are obliterated. It's weird. Right before my eyes. I mean, seeing things that I never thought I would see mm-hmm. in our country, you know?
1: Yeah. And, in six months time
0: in six months time. Right. When you think about how much, how much life change. I mean, come on, man. I remember the first cell phone, right? Dude. I remember the first cell phone and, and it was one of those you know, bag things. Right. You know? Yeah. And you think of how much time has changed in 30 some years. We have like hit light speed.
1: Yeah. In six months. It's crazy, man. It really, really is. I can't I can't I still right now can't wrap my mind around it. I mean, anytime someone says something to me optimistic, like I'll see someone post something like, Why can't this just be a certain way? Like they'll say I mean, I can't get think of a great example, or w- why can't people just return the carts to the shopping cart thing right? And my response is I mean it's twenty twenty you're asking for a lot right <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a blanket response to anybody sure. because I mean, it's, it's so broken
0: it is it's like we are so in a hurt- so much in a hurry to get to the very next thing that we don't even properly take care of the things that are right in front of us right and um but I, I don't know how you are. I mean, we didn't talk about this uh, in any of our immersive (laughs) conversations here, but I never thought I would have some of the end of the world conversations that I'm having with my own kids.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, uh, I have three kids. I have... My oldest son, Jonathan, is engaged. Going to get married, so his world. Congratulations ends on, on yes, that. his world ends on December the nineteenth, twenty twenty. So, no, I'm just kidding, Miss Megan. He's we're glad to have you in the family. But uh, I've got Jonathan, and then my middle daughter is Shaylin and uh, my youngest one is Madison, and Madison is fourteen. And just the other day, she said we were swimming, and she said, "Daddy." I don't want to become an adult. <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> well, honey, you're not going to have much choice, you know? And, and without even missing a beat, she said, no, because I think Jesus is going to come before then and I'll just get to skip the whole thing. There you so, go. I mean, even she's starting to have those conversations of, with us, you know, right. what, where is this all going to? And, and, uh, I just never thought I would have to have those conversations.
1: Yeah. You know like I mean? This. Well, and, and talking about, you know, in time stuff, right? So I remember my grandmother telling me when I was, I don't know, probably 16 or so that my generation, she called us the Joshua generation, that we would not see or we would see the return of Jesus, you know. And I guess that's based off promised land stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. But uh, but then as you get older, you know, we're in our 40s. So you get older and you think to yourself, well, I mean, I'm in my 40s. Right. (laughs) And, And so uh you think well they've been saying this for years i mean jesus talked about it in in matthew mm-hmm. chapter 26 i think um 28 somewhere in there um and and then the, you know he even said that surely some of you will not die before you see this but uh which is a whole theological discussion we can get into in another day but point is is for for 2000 plus years people have been talking about the second coming of christ mm-hmm. so why us why today well i'll tell you why us why today 2020,
0: 2020, yes, that's exactly right. I mean, when you think about 2020, it has to do with vision, right? Mm. Every, I mean, every
1: we, pastor preached it, right?
0: Everybody <laughs> wants 2020 vision. That's why we all go get contacts when we hit 40, mm. because we don't, we aren't able to see. You know, the way we want to see. And I remember coming into 2020. You're right, man. Everybody and their dog was talking about this is a year of vision and this is a year of vision. And I'm here to say, no, this is a year of vision correction. Mm. It's like God is showing the entire world. You don't even realize what you're looking at and i think he is bringing our entire culture uh, whether you are a christian or or a religious person or not a religious person all of us are standing here in our own worlds looking at what is going on and probably saying what do i do with this right that's the vision correction because none of us can solve this thing in and of ourselves and i think it's i think it's interesting when we look at the whole political spectrum i never thought in my life Everything would be political. Right. I, I Everything. Mean, I really think if you don't put the shopping cart back, you're going to vote for Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there it know, is. And all the Trump supporters are, no, I'm being, no, I hear you. Yeah. But it's that ridiculous, man. Right. And I don't, I don't think, I don't know that, that, uh, I was talking to my kids about this the other day, um, that it's even as much about people anymore. Mm hmm. You know, again, playing off of that 2020, the thing about vision. Right. And when I look at what's coming, that's what I think we're all staring at in November is we're really voting on two visions. Yeah. Which one do you want? Yeah. And I just want everybody to vote. I don't care if you vote for my vision or not. You better go vote. But still,
1: my vision's not even on the platform. Well, there you go.
0: (laughs) But of the ones you've got to choose from, that's really what you're voting for. Mm -hmm. And, um. So I just, I never, ever thought it would it would be this nuts, man.
1: It's it's so weird. And you know, I think what's interesting, too, because cause right now, I mean, for those of you uh, living in the dystopian future that this caused, um, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the history available to you, you may not know, but you found this podcast, and thank God you did, because let me just tell you what's going on. Uh, in, in the early throes of 2020... <laughs> I feel like I'm narrating the start of a movie. In the year 2000, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Conan. So, um in the in the early throws of 2020, we found ourselves with this pandemic um, that, depending on who you talk to, is um, super deadly and gonna wipe out the human race, or is nothing. There's there's hardly much of in between that. Um, and it was referred to as the coronavirus, and then later COVID 19. Uh, that had other names, too, but politically, that was not correct to say them because, again, it's political. Political. Um, then we had a police police brutality case uh, in, uh, is it March? I think it was March or April. Mm-hmm. April, yeah. Um, a police brutality case that instantly went and, uh, to a racially charged action, um, perceived. Um, and I only say perceived, not because I'm denying it was racially charged. I just, I'm not, I didn't do the the case. I wasn't there and I'm wasn't a perpetrator yes. <laughs> so since don't I don't know, know the heart result. of a man yeah. yeah uh so so this started off uh peaceful protests which turned um into unpeaceful protests also known as riots and chaos and as we sit here recording today there are some major cities in the United States who have been nightly rioting for 3 months yeah. or so lots of destruction lots of destruction now we are living in the heart of the Bible belt in Oklahoma. And we've had our, we've had some uh, protests every here and there, but nothing that um, we have had to worry too much about in our own spaces. Um, but you look at this and, and it's to me, what I find so interesting is this perfect weird recipe because you take the first issue with COVID-19 and you have people on two different sides. Again, everything's politicized and political politicizing anything is why you have two sides. That's right. If you don't, bring politics and you have a nice gradient of perspective, but when it's politics, you have two sides and that's because we're a two system country. If we were more than that, maybe we'd have three sides. So, so you have those two groups and then you have the, the uh, police brutality situation, which nobody's for police brutality, but the argument is whether it was racially charged or not. So you have this basically race war happening and you have people on either side of that. Now, that creates four distinct groups with four distinct passionate things. So some people are super passionate about the intensity of COVID-19 and we should all be doing things better. And they probably have a stance on the race thing, but they don't really live in that platform. Then you have people who of course are the other side of that coin. And then same with the race thing. It's not as big of a deal as we're making it. It's a huge deal, whatever. So you have this weird four-way divide. Yeah. And They're both simultaneously happening. So even if you can get two people to agree in one area, often those two people don't agree in the other area. Right. So you you don't have this nice, clean dividing line since it is all political. And that's the weird part. You don't, by default, fall on one side of that or the other based on your political alignment. And therefore you have this absolute, basically, anarchy in the hearts and minds of Americans. You really do. Isn't that
0: weird? It is totally weird. And I think that is probably why, um, you know, as we are here in the last, you know, third, last quarter of 2020. And I heard someone today say 2020 just sucks. It needs to get out of here. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And I think that really is a sentiment of a lot of us. We're just ready to get the whole year over with and get beyond where we are. Um, But, There was someone I was talking to one day and they said, um, well, Mr. Ewell, I don't like change Mm. and I've lived long enough. I've seen enough change and there's just too much change going on. So I'm not going to change. And, um, I was thinking about people that are in that space, you know, and some of you may be listening right now and you're looking at all this change going, this is ridiculous. And, but I just want to ask you, when was the last time you changed your clothes? Hmm. When was the last time you went and bought a new shirt? When was the last time you bought a new car? Surely you're not still driving a 57 Chevy.
1: Man, if all of us could be though, that
0: would be wonderful. Yeah, (laughs) man. some dirty dancing playing on the the radio.
1: But (laughs) the
0: point is that change is just a constant part of life because life is always moving forward. It's never standing still. And I think when we're in this hyper change situation, like a lot of us are in, whether it's and you did a great job summarizing the key, the high points, but man, there are so many tangents that have been affected. Oh, People's jobs have been lost. I mean,
1: Oh yeah. The economy, the
0: economy is tanked. You know, I mean, there's so many different areas. I mean, things that we once took totally for granted have been kind of removed like school, you know, and parents now having to figure out what am I going to do with all this time with my kids, you know? And I mean, just all this stuff that has been forced on us to change. And it's like, so many times we want to just go back to March 14th before this whole thing broke out and it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Life is consistently moving forward. And I think the challenge for all of us, maybe really our generation, man, um, is how quickly are we going to adjust? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I used to think that life was like walking a treadmill. Sometimes it would speed up. Maybe the pitch would go higher. But now life is like surfing, and I'm not that great (laughs) at surfing. But I'm having to learn real quick how to keep your balance in the midst of all the stuff that's changing. But it's gotten a little serious to start off with. No, it's all right. Well, uh,
1: it's it's not a bad thing. Well, and and I'll do do. Let's back up a little bit because uh, you know your perspective is is shaped by your environment, how you grew up, things like that. So let's talk a little bit about your life growing up. Where, what part of the country did you grow up in?
0: I am, well, first of all, I am proud to say I was born in the San Francisco area. There you go. And, uh, um, I, it's a lovely place to visit, visit. Gotcha. You know, I got (laughs) delivered when I was young, but, um, I, I was in San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay area. And, um, then my, my father was, a. Uh, involved in a business over there, then met God and, um, decided he was going to follow this God, um, that was talking to him hmm. for whatever that was. <laughs> and he wound up moving to Oklahoma. And I have for many years when I was younger, thought, dad, are you sure you heard the right thing? You know <laughs>
1: How old were you when you came here?
0: You know, I really don't remember. I mean, I barely, I was very young. Um, And we moved from the San Francisco area to Shawnee, Oklahoma. And my dad became an uh, banker, investment banker. And um, man, that was great because he brought home toys like on a regular basis, you know. And uh, we had a nice house and I was getting stuff. And then uh, when I was about six, I think maybe seven, Um, I know I've got a crazy memory. I can remember stuff from way back. Um, he came in one day and and he said that God had talked to him again and that he was going to become a pastor. And I thought, and we were going to church at this point and I enjoyed church and I kind of had a relationship with, with God a little bit. And I was, I was all excited, you know, dad's going to be a pastor, you know? And so we, uh, loaded up our stuff and moved to the great metropolis of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, Bartlesville home of Phillips 66.
1: And, um, and by metropolis, we're talking a population of roughly
0: 54,000, maybe (laughs) (laughs) not very big at all. Um, but, uh, in our first Sunday there, I stood at the door to the little church and shook people's hands as they walked in on my dad's first Sunday there. And my opening line was, hi, my name is Johnny and me and my dad run this church. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was not a good, that, that that, that was not good. No, Um, let's
1: don't fast forward. That's just, that feels too good. (laughs)
0: So he, uh, we, we were there for many years. And then, um, when I was a junior in high school, finished my sophomore year, um, my dad felt led to, um, God was bringing us to Oklahoma city. And so, uh, we came here, moved here my junior year. I went to more high and then was in the first graduating class at Westmore in 89 and, uh, was going to be a singer and travel and make albums. And, um, so I went to college uh, for that and wound up, with this idea that I was always wind up back in California somehow. Hmm. And so for many of the years that I was in college, I would always intern during the summer back in California mm-hmm. and, uh, interned in LA and wound up interning in a little town called Redding, Oklahoma or Redding, California, which in the church world is now the famous home for Bethel church. Um, and, uh, but I interned there and uh, just never made it back to California, and so um, anyway, I met my wife. Um, she would have nothing to do with me.
1: Uh, smart, smart was, woman, exactly, man. Because
0: <laughs> I was a preacher's kid who needed Jesus so bad, <laughs> and um,
1: that's really just that's redundant to say, uh, isn't it? All you preacher's know? kids need Jesus. The, yes, really they do. Bad. And, and some preacher's kids, but
0: yeah. yeah. Well, we 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 wound up. G- I graduated from college and I got my first little ministry job. And for the first time in most of my life, I really was alone. I was by myself and I don't really function good by myself. Mm. I like being around people and there was nobody to be around. And it forced me to do this thing. I'd always heard people talk about and I had to figure out how to pray Mm. and, um, and had to learn what my dad meant when he said, I heard God. I you know, and I was so alone and I was praying and, um, it was in around Thanksgiving of 93. And, um, I was in this process of, I dream all the time and I started keeping a dream journal and I made this deal with myself that I'm going to write religiously every morning what I dreamt and I'm not going to reread it until new year's eve of 1994 and i did and on and i had been praying and i was like god i'm lonely and i'm i'm ready to find someone who completes me and um on new year's eve i went back and i was reading through and at one point i wrote the following phrase and i've never forgot it son when you're happy with me and only me when i'm the source of joy in your life then i will bring the one i've held in reserve for you and i was like you've held someone for me <laughs> seriously and then I kept reading and the girl who wouldn't have anything to do with me started popping up in my dreams. Wow. And I had burned that bridge so many times. There was just no way. And there was no way she was going to believe that God had really changed my life. Hmm. And as case would have it on Valentine's day of the, of 1994, our paths crossed. We wound up going to lunch together on Valentine's day. We bumped into some, People who knew me before I'd had this experience with God, where God, where I say I met Jesus Mm -hmm. and, um, and God really began to change my life. And we bumped into some people and they pulled her aside and said, what are you doing here with him? (laughs) And she said, he's just a free lunch. And (laughs) I'm the longest free running lunch in history. And, um, but it wasn't, but a few days later that I don't even remember what happened, but we were driving somewhere. And, um, but I remember as clear as day, man, and, and, and she was sitting in the passenger seat and something had happened and she touched my shoulder as we were at a stopping point and I looked at her and she said, you really are different. Hmm. God really has you. And man, that was like the best thing I'd ever heard in my entire life because it's one thing when we all know we're changing, right? When we're making progress, you know, it's something else when someone recognizes it, especially when they knew who you were. Yeah. And Anyway, that was, that was in February of 94 and we were married on December 3rd of 1994. And, um, she is my best friend next. I mean, my dad is one of my best friends, but, but my wife is, um, her name is Chandra and, uh, she is it man. And so I think I, I, when people ask me about my life, I have to tell them my life before Jesus and my life after Shandra, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus changed my life, but Chandra has really breathed life mm-hmm. into my life and, um, giving me three wonderful kids. And, and now we're in the process of merging a church that we started with another church and, and going to kind of recreate something there. And so it's just kind of an exciting time for us. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of me. And yeah. So. There you
1: go. That's good. And I want to, I'm going to dig in here in a little bit on the church thing. Cause I think there's some cool uh, aspects of that too. And, um, yeah. So moving on though, um, what was one of the most impactful moments that you might remember from your childhood, say before the age of, uh, well, before you graduated high school.
0: Okay. Before I graduated high school, um, I would say my first kiss, but that wasn't Shandra, so I won't say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's um, neat how you can not say something, but say but it. say
0: it anyway. No, um, I think um, there, were, there were two pivotal pivotal ones. Um, the first one was a time where I was going to play basketball, and I would asked my dad, uh, who was pastoring his first church, hey, you want to go play basketball with me? And I, I had one of those red and white And blue striped balls, the ABA balls. The ABA, yeah. And um, I was standing there and spinning it, and I was ready. Come on, Dad, let's go play. And my dad told me no. He said he had a church meeting. And I I bounced the ball, and I said, you never have time for me anymore. Mm. And um, I ran out of the house, and um, I say that that was a, a pivotal time because I communicated to my dad how valuable he was to me. And as the years have gone on, we have developed such a great friendship because of that moment. Hmm. And so, um, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the I'm one of the odd ones who really can say my dad is one of my closest friends and and knows everything about me and and but I think there was something in me when I was younger, even though I didn't know it at the time. But looking back, because that's a great joy of vantage points. Mm-hmm. You see things that God already had put there and you didn't even know why. But at that age, I was expressing the value of relationships to me that, that relationships matter more than anything. And um, I think sometimes our world is so lonely and um, we have surface friendships. Well, a relationship's not a friendship. It's a whole other ball game. And um, I think that we are, we are not good in our culture right now at building relationships, let alone friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, friendships can't can't handle, for those of you that are listening right now, let me tell you something else going on in our world. It's called the cancel culture. And what that meant is, if Jeremy says something that I disagree with, then I'm just going to disregard everything he's ever said. I'm going to try to wipe him off the internet. I'm going <laughs> to, no more podcasts. You know, we're just going to cancel him out. That's That's our world now. And so friendships is not about based on what we all have in common friendships are the differences that we learn to endure with each other and um, the debt that we're willing to endure those differences. That's what leads us to relationships. Mm. Um, and I, I think we've lost that as our culture. So that was a pivotal moment. And the other pivotal moment um, for me was um, really the day that um, I got myself in trouble. Um, I don't want to tell you what it was, but it was just bad. I, I I had done something for me that was, was, was really bad. And, um, of all people, God used my dad. Um, and there was something that was going on in my life. Nobody knew about. And I was in college and, um, my dad called me into my bedroom and asked me to shut the door, which wasn't odd, especially when he was going to tell me things that he didn't want mom to hear down the hall and, and he was standing at the other end of the, my bedroom and I shut the door and he turned around with this intense look in his eyes and he just pegged me and he said, do you have this problem? And my dad, uh, is, is a righteous guy. I mean, he's, he's good, but, and maybe some of you will identify. I heard this conversation. It was only a microsecond, but it was like, it was a big conversation in my head. And, and this one voice said, if you admit this, He'll never love you Mm. if you admit to this problem. And I I thought about that for a couple of seconds, but before I could stop myself, there was just something inside that blurted out. Yes. And as soon as I said it, that voice was like, okay, you've done it. You'll never be a minister. You'll never get to impact people's lives. He's going to be disappointed in you. And, um, he's going to yell at you. Hmm. And I wish I could sit here, Jeremy, and tell you daddy didn't yell. Um, but he didn't yell at me mm-hmm. and he walked across that room and with what I had confessed that I was involved in and he wrapped his arms around me and at the top of his lungs said Satan you won't have my boy
1: hmm.
0: and something unlocked in my heart even telling the story now I call it my Jesus on legs moment I met Jesus through my dad hmm. And because relationships matter to me, at 23 years of age, I said, Lord, if I can just be Jesus on legs to people, if I can be those arms wrapping around hurting people, I'm cool for the rest of my life. That's all I want to be. I want people to experience what I've just experienced right now. And I think in our world, I think that we've got some Christians that they're good at worshiping Jesus, but they're not real good at loving people. And, um, I just hope to be one of those that, that learns to love Jesus and love people. Yeah. You know, at the same time. So those are my two moments.
1: That's awesome. So I ask uh, a lot of times I ask people what they, uh, would change about their life, what they regret, things like that. And, uh, I'm often met with the same answer that I pretty much, uh, would count on you giving me. So I'm going to change this question a little bit. Okay. Because most people I talk to say, well, I mean, I'm a product of who I am today because of it, so I wouldn't change it. So my question would be this. Is there something that you wished you could have learned less painfully in your life?
0: Something I wish I could have learned less painfully. Man, that's hard because I think I've learned so much painfully. Yeah, (laughs) You know, Um, I, I think... I think the value and the depth of real love in a relationship with my wife, Mm. I think any marriage that is going to make it is going to be some, is going to be one that walks through hard times together. Um, And my wife and I are not perfect. We've had our ups and our downs and our, our times, but it seems like whenever we go through a hardship, that's painful, our love deepens for each other. And there are times that I wish we could just like have the deep love, right at the beginning and not have to have all the screw ups that get us to that point. Yeah. You know, and when I think of the pain that I've caused her because of my youth or, or, um, inability to express, you know, things properly or whatever. I just, I guess I wish that I could have loved her for the last 25 years. Like I do now. Mm. Um, and that, that, that pain, but that to be said, I, 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 this is turning into really philosophical. Um, I think we've got to be honest with ourselves. The depth of what we learn is valuable because of the pain that we've endured through it. Hmm. I think sometimes in trying to avoid pain, like some generations right now, they don't want to, they, they want to avoid painful things. And so they never learn anything. Yeah. You know? And, um, but, um, without giving specifics, luckily we've made it almost 26 years. I just wish I could have loved her for all 26 Uh as deep as I do now. And, without causing her pain.
1: yeah. Wow. So, uh, so you got into ministry. Let's talk about that a little bit, how you got into that, your first ministry experience. I got
0: into ministry. Um, it was, it was one of those things that I, that um, I always thought I would do. I mean, I was never embarrassed as a kid of my dad being a, a pastor. And uh, so I just kind of always had that affinity towards it. Uh, when I got into college though, I um, I just, high school and college, my music background really grew. And, um, so I thought that would be my, my vantage point. Um, but when those things didn't pan out, then, you know, the fallback was, well, I'll go be a youth pastor. And, um, but yet it was in youth pastoring with a guy named Damon Isaacs, who was the pastor of a little church in Yukon that Shander and I discovered the value of truly caring for people. And, um, we, we did some really cool events there. One of my favorite events and favorite me- memories was this thing that we did every year called Fashion Share. And we would turn our church into like a department store. I mean, we worked throughout Oklahoma City. It, it took six months to put this thing together, and it was done in one day. But we would get stuff donated from businesses, dresses, makeup, shoes, um, uh, undergarments. I mean, you name it. And, and then uh, we would build this runway in our auditorium and uh we would use we rented buses and vans and we would go downtown and pick up the homeless women Mm. and we'd bring them in and do a fashion show and every dress that they saw was available Mm. to them and then when we were done we'd give them a card that was worth x amount of dollars it wasn't really dollars but it was just there Mm -hmm. uh and they would go from store to store or room to room. And they would be able to get makeup and hair products and dresses hmm. and, and to watch these women, you know, get something new. And then the last year that we did it, we actually had people that for those that, that wanted to, that would actually do their makeup for them and to see them come in one way. Yeah. Yeah. And see them look another way, and I'll never forget Pastor Dame or Pastor uh, Damon's wife Janet. She said, "And that, and that person is not even as beautiful as God sees them." Hmm. And uh, um, so I, those things, that experience, that 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 church just really built a passion in me to 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 want to to want to find hurting people and find ways to love them. And let's be be Jesus on legs to people mm-hmm. as best as we can. I know that sounds kind of silly, but that really is my phrase and what we want to do. We want to be Jesus on legs to people.
1: Yeah, that's good. So uh, so after that, after you were youth pastor there, you did other things, yeah?
0: I did. Went from there, and uh, actually my dad was in the midst of transitioning a historic church and moving into a new place. And so he asked us to come back. We were pregnant with our first child, and we came back and helped them transition from one building to another, helped them. Um, we were with them during the building phase on their final, their their property that they had bought. And um, it was, that was a great experience because we got to see all kinds, the, the whole gamut of a transition of an organization from who they were to getting a new name to getting a new place. And who would have ever thought that 20 some years later, we're now getting to walk through that very same phase together with a group of people. So it's just kind of cool. What, what what God, what our, what our journeys are with the Lord. We have no
1: idea. Well, and that's the thing that I want to talk a little bit about too is, is exactly that. So you, your dad, uh, is pretty much your best friend apart from your wife Yep. And you guys did um, you d- walked together in that, and now here you are. You talked earlier about merging uh, your church with his church, or yeah. a church, but it is but it his is church. his church. That's right. right.
0: And so um, we've they they are an existing church that um, is like a lot of churches in America right now, where they're kind of at an age where um, if they don't make some transitions they're probably not going to make it beyond this season. And this particular church is about to celebrate its 100th year. They were one of the, I think they were the second um, type of church, this type of church, this organization's church. West of the Mississippi, mm. and so I mean this is a long organization, and so there's a great opportunity here to come in and and kind of rebirth things, and infuse it with some new vision and new life, and uh, we're we're kind of using the word rechurch, just rediscover you know what what the church is about and and what we're to do, and I never ever would have thought we would be doing this. So listeners, please do me a favor. Don't ever tell God or whatever what you will <laughs> never do because you're just setting yourself. I really think when God hears us say never, I think he laughs right. and like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> you know. So uh, anyway, that's what we're doing.
1: Yeah. So what sets you apart? Uh, and this isn't to speak, you know, down to against other guys or whatever, but what do you think makes you different uh, when it comes to leading an organization as a pastor?
0: I don't think I'm good at it. I think, I think that, um, some people, especially the era that we're kind of coming out of in the church world, um, where it's been really about personalities and, and a one person that kind of drives everything. I think it's kind of refreshing to have leaders that can stand up and say, number one, I'm not perfect. And here's my, here's my mistakes. I'm literally a journeyman with all the rest of you. Uh, Maybe I'm a few steps ahead of you, but I have got so far to go. Um, I think that's refreshing to people. Um, I think that it's refreshing for us as leaders to realize it's not about us. Our job is to point people to Christ. And once we get them connected to God through Jesus, we need to step out of the way and, and realize that's really our job. I think from my communication style, I'm I'm pretty creative. Um, but I just like telling the stories from the Bible and finding those little nuances that, that maybe people don't pick up on and, and seeing kind of that spark of a fresh idea that comes to people's minds as they realize, man, God really does care about me. This isn't some figment out there. There really is somebody out there who knows my name and, and cares about me and, and wants to be involved in my life and wants to help me be able to, uh, process through the painful experience of living in this world. Mm. And so, um, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to be as truthful as I can. I just think the less that, that we think it's about us, the better it's going to be for him.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all, at all. So tell me a little bit about the, you just talked about you like pulling out, um, the intricacies of scripture, things that people aren't used to, things like that. So what's something that maybe has stuck out recently to you that you thought, man, this is something that You've probably never heard before, but stuck out to you. Well, there's
0: uh, one of the things we're trying to get our group to understand um, at the church is two little scriptures. One of them is um, a statement that is made about Jesus. And the statement simply says that Jesus was the visible representation of the invisible God. Now, that makes sense. I mean, right, Jesus, for those of us that are Christians, we believe that Jesus was the son of God, that his purpose for coming here was to make this invisible God relevant to people.
1: Side note, because I just read this article today, that one third of evangelicals do not believe Jesus was God, but that he was just a good teacher.
0: Well, I cannot believe that because that really is the crux of Christianity is Jesus, who he said he was, did he do what he said he would do? Because if he's not who he said he was, then he's a liar. If he's a liar, then he can't be God because the Bible plainly says that God is truth and in him there is no lie. Right. So if Jesus is just a teacher, then
1: He's not even a good teacher if that's true because he because was a liar. Right. <laughs> and
0: so for those that that struggle with that, I mean, um we I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He said he was was, uh, God's son. Um, he called himself a King to Pilate. Okay. Um, in fact, some Christians are completely confused on why Jesus even came to the earth. Mm. You know, if you ask some Christians, why Jesus came to the earth, they're going to say, well, he came to save us from our sins. Well, what if I could show you that Jesus never said that at all? Some people say that Jesus came to, um, be a witness of God's love to the world. Well, Jesus never said that at all. In fact, Jesus plainly tells us why he came. And it's in the story in John where Jesus is with Pilate, and Pilate has just said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus makes this statement. For this reason and this reason alone have I come into the world to testify to truth. Hmm. From Jesus' standpoint, he recognized all the way back 3,000 years ago, that truth was on trial. He was coming to a culture that did not know what was true. And what do you witness at? You witness at a trial. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to show you what is true because all of you are believing a lie. Do you know what the Oxford word of the year was in 2016? Hmm. Did you know that Oxford names they use words to summarize
1: years oh i didn't know that
0: okay oxford's word of the year in 2016 post truth wow that we as a culture now exist outside of the confines of truth has there ever been a better time to understand why jesus came he came to show you what was true Hmm. to testify to truth so that's why he came to the earth he didn't just come did he save us from our sins yes but that's a byproduct of why he came his ultimate reality was to say, Hey guys, I want to show you what you, how you should live. That's the beauty of the sermon on the Mount. He's it's truth. I'm going to testify to truth. If someone hits you, turn the other cheek, man, our culture needs to do that today. If somebody uh, wants something uh, from you, give them more than what they ask for. That's what he said. When he, when they ask you for your coat, give them your shirt too. go above and beyond. He came to testify to truth. Um, but the, the greatest thing is when it says he is the visible representation of the invisible God. I think those of us that are, that are Christians or even good people, we can, we can see, okay, that's cool. Right. Yeah. But then there's a scripture that takes it up another notch and it says this, you are now his body, which means, and here's the challenge I believe for the church. And this is why I'm in it. I am now to be the visible representation of the invisible God. My challenge as a Christ follower is not to be the best John that I can be. My challenge is to love like Jesus loves Lord. How can I, how can I give above and beyond what these people are asking for? God, how can I be how? And I think one of the greatest challenges that some of us could ever or questions that we could contemplate is if Jesus was the visible representation of the invisible God, if you, if someone is a Christian and they're a part of the church, are you, do you realize you're his body? Then are people discovering the invisible God visibly in you? Hmm. And I don't know what your conversations are like, but I love going and talking to 30 and 40 year olds and finding out how many of them really don't have a problem with God. Right. Most of them really don't even have a problem with Jesus. The problem they have is with the church because of the image yeah. <clears> that they're seeing. And it's like we've created this thing that is so far removed from who God is and, and, and what Christ taught that I think that in this year, crazy 2020, I think God is taking the church through a vision correction where he's giving us. I mean, Jeremy, I know you're a Christian. He's giving those of us that have a heart for what god is doing i think he's giving the church a shot we've never had in our life Mm. a chance to wipe the slate clean to reset the whole game board and to finally say if i can do nothing more than live like him love like him care like him be like him i'm willing to give my life for that
1: yeah
0: And I think that's the beauty of this whole thing that we're dealing with in 2020. It really is a vision, a vision reset. And, and that's, that's what has passionately captured my heart. And, um, just in our conversations, I would hope that in the time we've spent together in this immersive relationship, Mm -hmm. that in some way you've discovered the invisible God in me, because that is, is really what it means to follow Jesus.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. I have so good on you there, buddy. <laughs> well, praise God! <laughs> I still got a long ways to go. Well, I, you know, I, I, I kind of want to dive into this even, even a little bit more because, um, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I totally agree with you where we are as far as um, the opportunity we have in 2020. The, the, the whole world just. It, it, you know, there's a there's a passage Jesus says that the fields are white for the harvest; they're ready to be pulled up, and I, and that's what I see here. the The fields are absolutely white for the harvest. Um, I really want to have you on the uh, spiritually wounded podcast because I want to talk about that and and the broken parts of the church. But um, and we may have already touched on this, but what what would you say is your primary goal for your life and you and you did just talk about being Jesus being Jesus on lakes to people it's the bottom line okay huh? I would
0: say that I think that as as Christians and um I, I I so appreciate what you guys have and what you're building here at stream grace because I love the fact that our, that these podcasts you know you're hitting a, all a big range not all of them are are spiritual and Christian. And I really was kind of hoping ours wouldn't be, but you know, that's who I am. But <laughs> um, hopefully someone is listening today and maybe, maybe you are one of those people who, who you, maybe you haven't walked away from God, but man, you'd surely have walked away from the church and you're like, you're thinking, man, this, this stuff it is not, it doesn't matter to my life. And, and I just want you to know I've been there. I've, I was ready to walk away. A long time ago. Um, because I just saw how we had messed it up. We've created institutions that are there to shelter and and secure like a few people at the top of the ladder. It's almost like we created a, a pyramid scheme, mm-hmm. you know? And um I just I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore. And maybe you're that's you and you've walked away. But I want to ask you this, the same question that God asked me one day. I was reading a scripture about that I thought was about my wife. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. And I had always thought about that from the standpoint of how I'm supposed to care for my wife and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it was one day, I, I, it was like I heard it for the first time. Love them as Christ loved her and gave himself up for her. So real love is not about what we earn. The depth of love is the price we're willing to incur to give love to somebody else. Mm. And I thought, well, Lord, if you knew how we were going to mess this up and you still died for her, the church, how can I walk away from her? And I begin to ask, well, Lord, why is she so broken? And sometimes I think God, I, th- I wonder if God laughs at our silly questions sometimes. But then I think there's other questions that we might ask that I think God just loves to lean into. Mm. And I remember that afternoon when I said, Lord, why why is the church so messed up? And I is like he leaned in and he said, Because the church the, the church is broken because the people are broken. And I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah. You know, the church isn't made up of perfect people. So the church innately, intentionally, is supposed to be broken. It's supposed to be filled with people that are messed up trying to figure life out. And maybe we've come through this era where the church portrayed herself as being, they had it all figured out and and they were better than everybody else. And I just think that God has brought us to a place and brought many people like me that are standing up and declaring from the platform, it's okay to not be perfect. It is okay to be messed up. It is okay to be hurt. You know, um, I love that we've grown up kind of in this season that I think God is bringing us out of. We were in a season for most of my life of come as you are, mm. you know, and I loved it because I was tired of wearing a suit on Sunday, right. But you know, so for me, come as you are was jeans and a t-shirt. Let's go. But what we did was we almost created this idea that you can come as you are and stay as you are. Mm. And I'm someone who I, 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 when I'm writing messages, I'm trying to think of questions that I want to answer. And so one day I was thinking about that, you know, and well, if, if Jesus loves me as I am, why do I need to change? Mm. And the answer that I came to was, well, he loves you enough to accept you as you are, but he loves you even more not to leave you like you are, Mm. you know? And, and I think that the more that we as the church can say, it's okay to take that journey. Um, and then walk it out with people. It's not going to happen overnight. People are going to screw up. They're going to make mistakes because we're all broken. And there's there's beauty in that. And so I think for the church and for what I'm trying to feel like God is pulling me into, into, into this space is is to say to a hurting world and, and, and people that are broken that you've never messed up too far and you you haven't blown it too big that God can't love you into a new season. And if I can be in any way, you know, someone who can be that voice of love and encouragement or hand extended, then that's what we're going to do. And, um, I just think the church, the world would be a lot better off. In fact, I'll tell you this, Jeremy, do you know how we could solve everything in 2020?
1: Uh, I think the whole world wants to know this right now. Here we
0: go. If we would simply live like the Bible says to live, and I don't mean perfect. I'm saying if we would just Love our neighbor as we love ourselves mm-hmm. and then if we would realize that all people are created equal in God. Wow, that's the declaration right you know that's the Constitution. If we would just take that one stance and then just love your neighbor as you love yourself, the one of the key tenets that Jesus taught. Mm. I think we solved this whole thing because the first one, if we really believed it, we've solved social injustice, right All people are created equal, right? It doesn't matter. okay? If you're a Christian, try this one on. All of us came from one mom and dad anyway. Yeah. Okay. So if we would live that way, we deal with social injustice, which we need to deal with. And I think for the church, we've been quiet way too long on that. I think if you study Jesus, Jesus was a huge proponent of justice. Hmm. And we as a church have to learn when to stand up for things that are wrong in society.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, what that looks like.
0: Yes, it doesn't look like burning buildings, but it does mean that we find ways to stand up and say, "Hey, this is wrong. This is not the way that we believe that God wants us to live." And then we do everything we can to enact change. And I think one of the best ways we can enact change is doing what you and I are doing with people that are different. Mm-hmm. We sit down and talk. And um, one of the one of the first things I did when I taught U.S. history um, in in high school was I befriended some African American people and I would go to coffee with them and I would ask them to tell me history from their vantage point. Now, did I agree with everything? That wasn't the point. The point was to listen to their vantage point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough of us do that in our world. I think from our vantage point, we see it and that's all we think it is. And I think that more that we can listen to other people, especially in the church ought to be leading that charge. We really should be. Um, I think we fix social injustice if we just do what the Constitution says and really believe it. And then if we love each other as we want to be loved, treat each other like we want to be treated. Do you want somebody to blow up your business? Then they'll go blow up somebody else's
1: business. Fair enough. Do
0: you want someone <laughs> to steal your stuff? Then don't go steal somebody else's stuff. You know. Um, I, I think I think we solve everything. I mean, I really think it could be that simple. It's just too bad that we as a culture can't believe that it could be that easy
1: yeah so um for those of you listening you're like hey i want to hear more of this guy i think he's i think he's great um you can always check out my conversation. Oh, wait. Sorry. Not more of me.
0: Yes. No, 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 no. You guys need to listen to Jeremy a whole lot oh, more because no, all of the good stuff that I'm telling oh, you, Lord. I've learned from him.
1: that's uh, baloney. <laughs> um, no, uh, you're going to have a podcast on the String Grace Network. I am. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm going to learn to do what you're doing. Let's talk about it. What are, what are we going to talk about?
0: Okay. Our podcast right now, unless we rebrand it, is going to be called Renew You. And the idea is from the journey I've taken in my life because of something I was, that I had a hang up on, um, and I've had to go through a journey of mental health and I've discovered now that mental health, I've changed my body. I've, I've learned to work out. I've dropped a bunch of weight. I've gotten healthy physically, so I've got mental health, physical health. And then spiritual health, how, when we get all three of those working together, how they help us live our best life ever. Yeah. And I just think there's a whole lot of people that, that would like to hear others talk about what do you mean by mental health? And, and how do I really think positively about myself? And what are some simple steps mm-hmm. that I can take to, you know, not just drop a few pounds, but, but really put the right things inside of me to help me live well. And then how does really this spiritual thing uh, impact impact those. So that's, that's going to be our idea. I like it. Do you? I do. Okay. I hope so. We'll see if it
1: works. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be good. No. And I think that's the thing I, you know, I, uh, uh, I absolutely, you know, when we first talked about this idea, I think it was a, it's a missing element. I think a lot of people talk about healthy, one of those three, but it's about balance and having all those elements working for.
0: I've, I have discovered in my life that for most of my life, from a Christian standpoint, all we talk about is a spirit. Yep. Okay. But man, God created us in more than just one way. Um, we're body, mind, and spirit. And, um, he, the Bible has things to say about all of those, but I don't need the Bible to speak, um, in every area to help me learn how, well, let me rephrase that. The Bible speaks in all of them to show their value, mm. but, God has also given us expertise from other people that can actually take those ideas and break them down into actionable things that we can do to help us overcome our hangups in our minds and our bodies and our our spirits. So that's what we're going to try to explore.
1: I like it. So we uh, we have a few minutes left. Um, If you can believe it, we've almost gone an hour. So my question to you is, you have this platform. What is one thing we didn't talk about or we did talk about that you want to reiterate and you can tell the whole world anything you want right now?
0: I would like to convey that friendships are the most important thing in your life next to your relationship with Christ. Um, And I believe this because friendships are the only thing in life that you really get to choose. You don't get to choose your parents. We're all born with parents. Some of us get good parents. Some of us get bad parents. Some of us got no parents. But you know what? Every one of us get to choose friends. And I tell my kids all the time, your friends that you have tell more about where you're going in life than currently where you are. And there are key points in life where, where we have to develop relationships with people that are maybe moving in the direction that we want to move. And we got to link up with them and kind of let them pull us in that direction. That's how we progress as people. Um, and, and it's just proven over and over in my life that friendships are one of the most painful things I've ever gone through. They cause the most risk because it's emotional capital. Mm. It's, it's your heart you're putting out there. You know, you can take my money all you want, but man, you take my heart and stomp on it. Man, we got a problem. And I think that's been the experience of a lot of people, even within the church.
1: Sure. You
0: know, and, but just because something is painful doesn't mean it should be avoided. I mean, I am so glad my wife did not avoid the birthing of my children <laughs> Right, in spite of the pain. And and um, I just want to encourage everyone out there that in regardless of when you're listening to this, 2020 has become a fractured time in our culture. I mean, everything, social organizations have had to shut down. I mean, who would have ever thought we would be about to move into the fall and we may not get college football. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy. But with all of this that's going on. I think what it is leaving us with is the value of things like friendship. Yeah. And, um, I, I define friendship this way. Friendship isn't about what we have in common. It's the depth of pain we're willing to endure for the good of somebody else. Hmm. And if I'm willing to endure pain for you, then man, we've got something more than a friendship because in any friendship, there's strife, there's disagreements. But if you have a relationship, you're able to walk through those things. And I just, I want to encourage everyone listening today. Don't live life alone. You weren't made that way. You were made to walk through it with people and um, find a place, whether it's a church, a, a, a sporting club, a gym, find a place where you can meet people and you can develop relationships with people. Because I think No, Jeremy, I know I experience God more in our conversations Hmm. than I do in other places. And, and it's not that we don't experience God in the church, but I just think sometimes we, we so spiritualize things that we miss the opportunities uh, of experiencing him with others and friendships is the way to do that. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if that's what you're wanting, but that was, if I could encourage anyone, it's don't live alone, build your friendships get to relationships and walk through life with people.
1: Yeah. Well, what I was wanting was honesty and authenticity. And I definitely got that guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Johnny. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank
0: you, Jeremy. It was fun.
1: Yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, If you guys want to check out some more podcasts, you can do so at string we got a bunch of ones. Uh, We've got Johnny's coming up soon and uh, yeah. So thanks again. God bless you. And uh, we will see you next time.
0: Listening to the Streaming Grace Network.